Welcome to this Jeremy Bamber and White House Farm podcast. I'm delighted to be joined today by Jill McCarley, supporter of Jeremy Bamber. Jill is here today to talk about an American case in the name of Martin Pancliffe. Now, my understanding is Martin was convicted of killing his adoptive parents, uh, Seymour and Arlene Tancliffe, in June 1990. He was sentenced to two consecutive terms of 25 years to life in prison, and he spent 17 long years incarcerated before he was finally uh, exonerated and released from prison. Jill, can you just give us a bit of background about this particular crime and um, why Marty was ultimately arrested, charged and um, convicted of the murder of his parents? Yes, of course. Um, on the morning of September 7th, 1988, Marty got up, went downstairs and found his father with horrific stab wounds. He, at this point, was unconscious, but still alive. Marty at that point rang 911. His call to 911 raised suspicions immediately. And when police arrived on scene, they immediately suspected Marty because he hadn't gone looking for his mother because he was trying to keep his father alive. So he you know, assumed as he was calling his mother, his mother wasn't responding, that she was dead. Um, the police on the scene very much walked in, saw a young man, instant, spoiled young brat, basically, millions of dollars. He's killed his parents to get the inheritance. So they, they suspected him immediately then? Oh, yeah, yeah, straight away, despite Marty at the scene telling them of a much more viable and obvious suspect, who was the business partner, who owed the parents he had a bagel shop with the father he owed him half a million dollars which was payable by noon that day the father and the mother had entertained this gentleman the night before he was the last person to see them alive he had also made violent threats against them previously with regard to this amount of money the bagel shop was failing um and basically marty's father was a very good businessman and you know he was the first person that should have been suspected and he was never ever looked at as a suspect they zoned in on marty didn't look anywhere else right okay so then marty's taken into custody what what happens then um he is kept and interrogated quite aggressively for 16 hours bearing in mind this is a 17 year old man well child who Boy, just, yeah. just found his parents mother brutally murdered father almost dead um they questioned him 16 hours without any legal representation he had no breaks they gave him no food they gave him nothing to drink and he denied, denied, denied. All he kept saying, it's, you need to go and speak to the business partner. You know, this is a, if you watch the interrogation, it's incredibly, in, it's just coercive beyond belief. You know, they're abusive. They're just, I mean, the, the, they were actually under investigation at the time for corruption. Right. 
with regard to coercive um, confessions at that point. So didn't, um, didn't they didn't they didn't they lie to him or something about his father? Yes, they weren't getting anywhere. Um, like I say, sixteen hours of questioning. Marty didn't falter. They decided police can like. They came in and faked a phone call that apparently had come from the hospital to say at this point his father was still unconscious. He never regained consciousness before he died. They told Marty that his father had regained consciousness and told them, Marty did it. My son did this. Wow. And yeah, at that point, Marty is like, my dad said that? My dad's alive straight away. And he couldn't believe it. And his instant reaction is, I must have blacked out. I don't remember. I don't remember. I must have blacked out. But if that's what my dad is saying, it must be true. And then he starts like, do you think there's something wrong with me? And uh, absolutely horrendous. You know, but they can lie like that. And that, that, that's the confession, basically. That is Marty's confession. Okay. In terms of evidence against Marty, um, I mean, obviously, he's going to have been covered in his father's blood. He was trying to save his father's life at the time. So that's to be expected. Was there any other forensic evidence that, that linked Marty to the crime? Nothing. Nothing. And as a note as well, he had no of his, none of his mother's blood on him. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. None of his mother's blood on him, only his father's, which obviously was because he was trying to save his father's life. There yeah. was blood stain or a blood drop found, which was not Marty's, which... Oh, that's interesting. Um, so there, there was obviously somebody else there, but that, again, was ignored because it didn't fit the police hypothesis of what they thought was going to happen. So what about the murder weapon? What was that? And was it left at the scene or was it taken away by the murderer? There were two murder weapons, one of which was believed to be either a heavy pipe or possibly a dumbbell. And um, there was also a bloody print on the sheet next to Marty's mum, which was the imprint of a knife, which was not consistent with any knives found in the Tancliffe home. So somebody took those weapons away with them, which, again, does not point to Marty. So they, and also, they were never found. No, they've never been found. OK. So, so what was the story from the What was the story from the police then? Or why, you, you know, other than he was he was in the house. That's kind of all they had. What what was yeah. their theory? What were they saying? Well, did we it was Marty because. So the only motive that they came up with, and they used this at trial, was that Marty was about to start college and he'd asked for a new car. And mm. his parents bought him a second-hand car. And that apparently was motive enough for a previously loving boy who's never shown any kind of violent behaviour or anger. That was enough to have caused him to stab both his parents to death the fact they bought him a second-hand car and that that was all the police could could come up with what about the family and was he an only child was there anybody else involved 
No, Marty um, had a half-sister who was also adopted. Um, initially, she was very, very supportive of Marty, very open, did quite a lot of TV interviews, magazine paper interviews, spoke out. Marty loved his parents. He wouldn't have done this. And she, I think, went along with the business partner um, fact mm -hmm. until the will was read. And oh, this sounds familiar. Yeah, this definitely sounds familiar. She found out not only would she not inherit half of her parents' estate if Marty was to inherit as well, but, you know, and then she's like, oh, but if Marty's convicted, I'm going to inherit everything. So she instantly, as soon as Will was read, turned against Marty, spoke out, oh, Marty definitely did it. You know, absolutely, Marty hated his parents and completely did a 180 on everything she'd been saying quite publicly previously. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so the, the, yeah, money again. They, they say money is the root of all evil, don't they? And um, oh, yeah. proven time and time again that it absolutely, absolutely is. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I mean, it was a big, it was a big estate as well. We're talking multi-millions yeah multi so you know it was a big chunk of change that that she was going to inherit but that money now um has all gone apparently so her ex-husband i wouldn't say i don't know if it's embezzled exactly but he kind of did little business ventures here and there and it's all gone also sounds quite familiar yeah, yeah. I, the inheritance so okay so you mentioned at the beginning that there was another suspect the business partner who was there the evening before with the with the tan clefts and that he owed uh, five hundred thousand so dollars yeah. what what of him what happened with what happened with him well this is interesting um before news of the murders was out in the media. Bear in mind, this is 1988, so there is a 24-hour news coverage where it is now. So you had mm. quite a few hours. He basically put on a disguise, which was laughable. He dyed his hair and put on a fake beard and moustache, faked right. his own death. Faked his own death? Faked his own death, yep. How Not did he do that? Well, and there was a note found in a hotel room that, you know, that he was going to kill himself because of the murders, basically. It was awful. And he so then donned this laughable disguise um, and fled to California with a fake ID and quite a lot of cash on him. Um, when they tracked him to a hotel room, he obviously, again, threatened to commit suicide, uh, yet he was never, ever questioned as a suspect, only as a witness. Wow. Oh. Uh, yeah. To this day, he's not being questioned as a suspect. So, why, yeah. Why do you think that is? Friends in high places, I'd say. He was um, quite chummy with the sheriff of that county and um, you know good friends with certain police officers i don't know if there's sort of any kind of 
secret orders or anything like that involved, but he was quite a high profile um, businessman. He ran a bagel, okay. actually known as the Bagel King. Um, of course, all the cops went and let bagels there. And he was good friends with them all. So, again, yeah. Oh, okay. again, yeah. again. And something else sounds very familiar about that, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's the and thing. It, all the parallels. And he's never, ever been questioned as a suspect. You say? No, never. Other than in court at Marty's murder trial, Marty's lawyer started putting it to him that you know he killed the tankless, and I've never seen anything quite like it. This is a fully grown man who did horrendous fake crying and almost had a little temper tantrum in the witness box and I'm not on trial here, Marty's on trial and refused to answer any more questions and that's the only time he's ever had any questions directed towards him as a suspect not by the police or the prosecution or Marty's defence in court I mean, it's it's a remarkable story, isn't it? You couldn't make it up, could you? <laughs> it's you know, but this is somebody's life, and like I say, Martin's a child. Yeah, when he was. So, Martin's in prison now. He's obviously protesting his innocence. His parents have have obviously been tragically murdered. His sisters turned against him. Where does he go from here? Who listens to him? Who helps him? He was very lucky to have a brilliant appellate lawyer who got the Innocence Project involved. They became active um, quite early on, quite early on. I mean, I think they were working the entire time on his case from the minute he was convicted in the October of uh, 1990, all the way through, really, till 2008. Um, they managed in 2003 to get an appeal in which had new evidence from 20 witnesses that had previously not either been questioned or what they had said had not been disclosed um but the main piece of evidence and it took them many 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 attempts and many many years to actually get the court to agree to test the sample was the blood spot that was found at the crime scene. Right, so that, this is the blood spot that didn't match Marty or his either of his parents. This was a, an acting blood spot that, that nobody knew whose who's it was. Yeah, at the time, obviously it was tested. They could only kind of do blood grouping. It didn't have yeah. advanced techniques as they did um, in the 2000s. So they, they petitioned and they finally got quite detailed and um, really advanced DNA testing done, which proved 100% that it was not from Marty. It wasn't from anybody else that had been tested, um, apart from one person who has repeatedly ignored requests to give a blood sample and why would you re refuse to give a blood sample to rule yourself out 
Um, and I don't, I don't, I, I don't think I'm going to be surprised in who that is. Who, who is the person that's refused to give a blood sample? The business partner. Business um, partner. Yeah. yeah. So he he doesn't just refuse; he ignores all requests. And um, because he has never been questioned or considered as a suspect, he doesn't have to. You know, he they, the Marcy's team have been trying to get a court order to, you know, get a warrant to get his um, DNA. They can't. They, they are repeatedly refused. Um, so to this day, the murders remain unsolved, you know, and why would you not, you know, all these years, he's, this man has been a suspect. Why wouldn't you just give a sample if it's not him? I agree. Yeah, what's the problem? I absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. So ultimately what exonerated Marty was the fact that the blood that was found didn't match him. Didn't match him. Yes. And the position of the blood could not have been left by anybody other than the person who used the murder weapon. So oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Where it was. I don't think they disclosed where it was somewhere on either his father's body or around his father's body but it so whoever did it obviously had cut themselves as well yeah Martin, well I, yeah i mean such a an, such a brutal attack like that that's oh, yeah. that's unsurprising isn't it so yeah. and marty had no no wounds uh like you know jeremy had no, no wounds. Wound. visible yeah. marty had none but there was a cut and they knew that at the time mm. but no, even though because they did like blood matching, but obviously back then you only got typing, you couldn't get a full, really good DNA profile. But you know, until this person of interest agrees to give a sample, I mean, Marty is still not, probably not going to agree, is he? Unless he's, he's uh, well, unless unless he's ordered to. Yeah. But this day they've been fighting. You know, Marty's still fighting. To solve his parents' murder, murder. Yeah, yeah. He wants whoever did it to be held responsible, and you know he's been fighting for decades to get this guy to give a sample, and he just doesn't respond. I mean, he's still alive. You know, this guy is still out there, still alive, and still out there living his life. So brilliant. So Marty is fully exonerated, out of prison. What's he doing now? Um, he's actually a real inspiration. Because of his work with the Innocence Project, Marty decided to become a lawyer. He's actually the first person who's been exonerated from a murder charge in America to qualify as an acting lawyer. Um, and he actually now works for the Innocence Project. And he's, oh, wow. he's happily married. And yeah, he, he's doing really well he does oh, a lot of, uh, lot of speeches and conventions things like that but yeah so it's inspired him to go and help other people that you know are in such horrific situation as he was um, no, that's just fantastic and, and you know talks about the innocence project before they just do such an amazing job when well, you know people have had backs turned to them time and time again the innocence project are there helping them so 
that is absolutely wonderful that he's he's gone on to do that that's fabulous yeah he's he's very inspirational very inspirational so. you know we've talked we've talked about marty tonight and um you've obviously invested quite a bit of time in this case looking at this case well, why was that what what was it about this particular case that that drew your attention oh god well it, it was more or less three years to the day that the tragedies that white house farm happened and obviously at the time following jeremy's case very much and when marty's case happened in 1998 I, I was watching a lot of the american crime shows and it was covered a lot on that it was a very very high profile case and there were just so many parallels to yeah. jeremy's case and not just at the time but throughout you know they were both him and his sister were adopted um the corruption the non-disclosure that the just out and out lies by he, he, yeah there, by, there is a lot isn't there that you know there yeah. is another suspect that is far more obvious yeah. than marty in this case in jeremy's yeah. far more obvious was was sheila the yeah. the suspect in marty's case was friendly shall we say with the with the police department and has never even been a suspect despite behavior that would would make you go we need yeah. to look at this guy sheila was alive inside the house whilst jeremy was outside with police so it, it you, you know there's there's that there's like you say the non-disclosure there's the interview techniques the no solicitor, hours and hours of interrogation, the police lying, the corruption side of things is, it doesn't just happen in the UK, it happens in the US and it happens all over the world that innocent people are being convicted of crimes they didn't commit because yeah. people don't want to or can't be bothered or whatever it is to actually find the real perpetrator and put the real person in prison. And that's yeah. what's happened in Marty's case. And for him, he has never received justice for his parents, which I'm guessing yeah. probably what he, he really wants. Yeah, absolutely. That is what he's still fighting for. You know, he wants to see the person that murdered his parents and that took away his childhood and his family, you know, not just his parents, his sister and her family. He lost everything the same way Jeremy did you know yeah. and it, it, it doesn't just happen you know you see it very much especially in America with a lot of the miscarriages of justice being towards poorer people you know you get a lot sort of yeah. like, but this again a, like Jeremy a wealthy family the police instantly took a dislike to Marty because he was a young wealthy man both Marty and Jeremy have been brought up to trust the police and to believe what the police said. You know, if and, the police yeah. tells you something, you take that as gospel. You know, police don't lie, they're here to help. You know. Uh, and yeah, and they, they they both walked into um they both walked into a trap to their to their detriment. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's it's fantastic. Marty achieved his freedom. He yeah. he's out now. He will never get those seventeen years back, obviously. And um, but ultimately, we wish him all the very very best for the future. And we will continue as we as we do and fight 
Fight for Jeremy. Jill, thank you so much for joining me. I well, really I appreciate it. Your knowledge on the case is, is, is fantastic. And um, thank you so much for joining me. Lovely. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to do something to help Jeremy Bamber, then sign our online petition to the Home Secretary for the disclosure of case documents still withheld by Essex Police. Visit www.change.org and search for Jeremy Bamber. And don't forget to share the link with your friends and family. Thank you.